there's nothing worse than having to go back and figure out all of the places that the fancy dancy machine messed it up. Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for junior sports. Hi, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, October the 13th. Cavaliers, I mean, what's the joke from Major League? You know, get, get yourself one more. You got yourself a winning streak. Um, two wins, both in dramatic fashion uh, at the end of games, predicated on the other team missing a field goal. Um but nonetheless, wins that count, and certainly the Cavaliers in a much different position now than they were a couple of week ago, weeks ago at this point. Um, they get to come back home for a very important couple of games here um, before they head out to Provo to finish out the month. We will talk about the win um, down in uh, Louisville, I guess over in Louisville, as the case may be. And we will <laughs> no doubt be previewing this weekend's matchup with the Blue Devils. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but Cutcliffe said that, you know, how are you supposed to top, stop uh, Virginia's passing game? He's like, you know, start the day with a prayer, which I thought was hysterical. I'm sure he's used that again at some point before, but I thought it was really good. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my friend? Hey, considering I was dead inside around six o'clock Saturday, it's going pretty well. Who days on the board? <laughs> at Who days on Twitter? And up in Loudoun. Staff writer Justin Ferber, who has figured out finally how Zoom works, and he has now joined the podcast. Uh, how's it going, my dude? It's good. The first thing you have to do to get Zoom to work is to use Zoom. So, <laughs> and not a, not, not a download Skype. <laughs> yeah, not a competitor, but yeah, I'm here for now. We'll see how this goes. But at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter, I have this vision of you just waiting for us to join a Teams call. I don't know why. And uh, uh, in no, Charlesville, we don't, we don't do that in my neck of the woods. We use it to oh. do something different. Oh, okay. Oh, that's true. You would. That's true. Um, and in Charlesville, uh, managing editor Damon Dillman is also on the program. Damon, uh, in the pantheon of things you expected to do with your night, was waiting for Ferber for 20-some minutes to join the call on the list, yes or no? I I mean, it's it's the highlight of my week, without a doubt. <laughs> uh, you know, Zoom calls, they, they cause you lots of problems, you know? Just, uh, uh, just saying. Yeah, I mean, the only man in the <laughs> so somewhere like in the, in the farthest reaches of Antarctica, some alarm bell started going off because someone downloaded Skype. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, uh, I'm it's glad like that this was. Move. I'm glad that this beat out waiting for the film room that never came. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you're two for two today, man. Yeah, awesome. Love killing it. it. At He's Damon killing Bowman. it. <laughs> Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for any game. My place to content items and the occasional witty banter. Um, <laughs> two for two. I love it. Um, speaking of being two for two, man, that's a heck of a segue. Virginia has a little bit of a win streak going. I don't know. Do they have to win one more for it to count as a streak or do you count the two? Other, either way, that's two games now. Virginia has won in somewhat, like I said, dramatic fashion. 34-33 down in Louisville. 
Um, I in the talk about the pantheon of things I expected. Virginia, you know, doing what it did in that fourth quarter. Um, when's the last time Virginia outscored anybody in the second half, twenty-one to you know three, let alone in one quarter? Um, I mean, look, Brandon Armstrong again goes ham, forty to sixty, four eighty-three, two touchdowns. He did have a pair of picks, sixty-seven percent completion percentage. Virginia rolls up 522 yards of total offense, um, which is not that impressive when you hear that that come after the 487 number. Um, they were only nine of nine on third down, but they held Louisville to three of 13. Um, the cards, you know, were pretty balanced. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, Malik Cunningham hurt them, but it was more Hassan Hall than anything else. Um, but, the you know, the Hoos were, were pretty good at, you know, sort of righting the ship when it seemed like all was lost. Dave made a joke earlier about being dead inside. I don't know if he's actually, he swore in the thing he was going to read the text thread on air. I don't think he's actually going to do that, but I am going to go to you first, Dave, and ask the question. In the day since this has happened, which is kind of, you know, kind of a flavor of our podcast, you know, we, we like to, you know, the thing happens and we give it a little bit and we see how we really think about it once the emotion of it is faded away. Has the emotion of this thing faded away? Was this as significant as it felt in the moment? Or do you feel like maybe now that you've had some distance from it, that it's not as big a deal as it felt like it did then? Mm, That's a tough question. I mean, probably a little bit of both, right? Like it's a win on the road in the ACC for a team that's already lost a home game, uh, making them technically plus one on the year. So, I mean, if Virginia loses that game, um, (laughs) we're having a much different discussion. And look, they didn't get there the prettiest way, but they got there. And considering where where it looked, you know, how it looked, um, you mentioned the text right thing. Like, look, you know, Justin and uh, Brad now text quite a bit, especially during away games. Um, and <laughs> it's not pretty. Some of you guys put this stuff on Twitter, which makes no sense to me. Find a buddy, text it, um, let it air out because, you know, that old takes exposed can find you. Um, yeah, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I mean, <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. So, I, I mean, I can't say that. The fact that I've looked at this text thread to kind of figure out how to talk about it and just realize it's just too much. Like any bad thought you had <laughs> as a fan came in our text thread um, until, I mean, it's kind of funny. You guys give me grief. And I told you, I think I'd said this in the text thread later on, but I always get grief about being the hand ringer. But when stuff starts going bad, I'm like, I'm the guy who like tries to make everyone feel better. <laughs> so I, Wait, I'm gonna, I, all right. I'm, I'm going to have to review. I'm going to have to review the text. Cause I don't think that, I don't know if that's real. Yeah. I, I no, think no. at the moment like I texted, I texted at uh, like six. So I can't find the timestamp cause this is the photo of it. Cause I didn't want to scroll okay. back, but I texted, right, this feels like a season wrecking loss, but three, three and three, one in one in three, having played three row games in the conference isn't terrible. But okay. We yes, so you were. You were definitely. Body. You were definitely doing yeah. some. Uh, you know, some qualifying was, for yourself. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. What's, what's that word? I'm going back now, and I forgot. You have to wade through all of the like Virginia yeah. Tech losing <laughs> stuff. Oh, that's that true. That we was were, that was we fun too. That, that was. Point. Yeah. That yeah. That, we, but see, that's the thing. It's like on a day that UVA has already won, and then Tech's going to play that night. That's the that's the greatest combo ever, right? Oh, and when, when um, Virginia was losing and looked like the game was yeah, lost, exactly. It was like it was all yeah, it was all. Game. It was all. Tech's going to win tonight. To add on to this, <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, I mean, look, it was a big game. The team, like, look, I mean, the team has it. Sh- I think you mentioned it. Like the team, even though we we talk about you know second half and stuff, when they're behind, they they haven't really turned to turned the lead in a long time. You know, turned a deficit into a win in a long time. A big deficit. 
not like this. Um, you know, this is historic re- recovery. And technically, they still lost the second half, but that's how bad the third quarter was. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I think it was a really gutty performance. I mean, when you get to a point where you've got to, you know, Virginia's pretty one dimensional, but they had to be 100% one dimensional. Um, obviously, Louisville kind of got a little more conservative there with that big lead. But look, you know, I joked about, you know, if the situation reversed, we'd have lemon booty. Well, Louisville got it. Um, and Virginia took advantage of it. And, and even when they came all the way back, they still made it interesting. Um, but I don't know about you guys, but when they went to kick that field goal, like I had very little worry that ball was going in. At that I point, it either. just felt like it was destined to miss. It, it did, didn't it? I mean, like, I just yeah. knew when the thing came off his foot, it was going to go. I, I I didn't know if it was going to go right or left, but I just figured. <laughs> this one was not yeah. as, like, stressful as the Miami one because as soon as he kicked it, I was like, oh, yeah, he shanked that. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. And, I mean, I, like, I got a road in the column. Like, I immediately pick Abigail up over my head, like, because I just, it was very apparent. Um, yeah. But, no, and, it, and and you know, at least he didn't ding it off the upright for 25 yards. I'm never going to forget that. That was just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Like well, that if we continue just, to have I mean, games like the last it. two, you might forget it because it'll just be one of the 50. <laughs> but no. um, Ferber, as you look, as you went back and, and looked at Armstrong and broke down his, his half season is, I mean, he, what he, I thought what he did in this game, considering sort of the situation was just as impressive, if not more so in part, because I mean, look, you had to have it right. Um, but I didn't think there was a whole lot, you know, I didn't think that, you know, it wasn't like there were just a bunch of dudes running free. I mean, clearly there were some guys who were open and I think he did a good job of hitting them, but I mean, I thought he made some really tough throws in that, that fourth quarter and to bounce back that way he did considering how, you know, how rough it was in some spots for him. Otherwise, as you look back at the whole half season as a whole, has a whole half season as a whole, say that Mm -hmm. seven times fast. Um, Tell me what what would you sort of equate what you've seen from him to, right? Like, what's your conclusion in terms? Is he just has he just taken that step forward, right? Or is is he just playing beyond his mind right now? I don't. I can't imagine. You know, and I I say all of this to say, you know, you don't know what's coming, obviously. But I at this point through six games, given the different sorts of defenses he's seen, how much film there is on him. Um, what he's had to deal with in terms of injuries at the wide receiver position uh, throughout the season with different guys going down. Um, I, I can't say that it is sort of like he's playing over his head at this point. Like at this, at some point you just are what you are. Um, one of the things about UVA is that they're sort of one dimensional, you know? So like a lot of times, like his yards are needed, you know, because they're not getting yards any other way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I don't think you get two like 475 plus yard performances in a fluke sort of way. So, I mean, at this point, I think it's pretty clear that he's taken a step forward in terms of um, making plays down the field, like the second and third level, finding guys that are your second, third, fourth read. Um, maybe, you know, and, and I don't say this to say that he was doing this, you know, like doing this was wrong, but last year he would kind of do one read, two read run. And, and that was successful for him a lot. You know, he, he would pick up yards on the ground this year, whether it's the injury or whatever, um, he's sort of stuck in the pocket a lot more. And the results of that have been good. I mean, he's turned a lot of those second, third, fourth reads into big gains. 
Um, I mean, you could even see it on the last touchdown to Mish. I mean, that was clearly not his first read there. Um, and a few, he had a few others like that too. So, I mean, I think, you know, you're getting to a point now where um, you trust him to make the plays that you need to make. And, you know, obviously he needs to, the two turnovers he had were bad um, and, and nearly kind of sealed the game for Louisville. But um, yeah, I don't think that at this point, like, I don't know if he can keep up a 410 yards per game pace, but I don't think that I, I don't think we're going to look back at six more games from now and be like, Oh, that was all like, you know, an aberration. Uh, Damon in, in Ferber's piece about Armstrong, one of the things he said, was like, we probably got into a place point now where you can say like, it's probably not a flash in the pan. Right. I'm looking at UVA's defense here and I'm not going to tell you that, that UVA won this game because of its defense. I, I don't think you can say that. Um, there were definitely parts of this game they were losing it because of the defense, right? But, you know, you look at Cunningham's numbers, you know, not that super impressive. I, I thought they did a good job with him. Now, I, I mentioned Hassan Hall. He gets 14 carries for a buck 62. He's averaging 11.6 per touch. The running, um, the average per rush for them as a team was 6.9 in this game. Um, but they were 3 of 13 on third down. Um, I, I thought there were times where Virginia played decent defense and you, and you sort of saw them not having joy blunt and, and them trying to figure that all out. Um, but they definitely had moments where the defense made some plays, which has not always been the case this season. How would you kind of characterize if we're talking about the halfway point where the defense is in your opinion? Um, do you feel like you have anything that you can trust about that unit yet? Or is it just on a game by game case by case basis? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Trust trust is earned, Brad, and it's easily earned, lost. I heard earned not given was the thing. Yes, trust is, but it, trust is easily lost. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, tr I don't know if I'm comfortable to say there's there's anything that I genuinely trust. I definitely think there's improved. They're they're working to build some trust, uh, but. Yeah, like you said, they made those the, those plays on third down to get off the field. There were a couple of times, I mean, it looked like that game, you guys were talking about your text thread midway through the third quarter. I mean, I think everybody was kind of thinking the same thing, like, oh boy, this took a turn in a hurry. And then all of a sudden the defense is getting three and outs. Uh, all of a sudden the light bulb went on. And, and just as much as Brendan Armstrong and the offense – obviously had to do their part to make that comeback. The defense got those three and outs to help get the ball rolling and keep the ball rolling. And Broncos said after the game that it's, it's, it's in those pivotal moments, those, those critical moments where you, you do see the improvements. And, and so, yeah, they're making those plays, but then at the same time, Hall broke those two big runs and the, the stat that's crazy to me is that in every ACC game this year, they've given up a 50-yard run. In every ACC game this year, they've given up at least one 40-yard pass. And those, those, to me, are the two stats why you can't trust this defense because all it takes is one play for somebody to be out of position, somebody, uh, the wrong run fit, uh, the wrong, just a, a mistake before the snap, mistake after the snap, in coverage, whatever, and, and boom we've watched teams capitalize on those mistakes throughout the course of these five AC, these four ACC games now. So uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm at a point where I trust it. I do agree. I do see the improvements. I mean, considering where, where, where the bar was set with Carolina and Wake Forest, 
there obviously was plenty of room for improvement and it would have been really concerning if there hadn't been any improvement. And I think a lot of these conversations would be a lot different. I think this is some of, some of this is just regressing back to the mean to a certain extent, but still they're making some of the plays that they weren't making against Carolina and wake. And, and, and as much as these missed field goals and the offense, the defense has played its part in these two wins these last two weeks. And so uh they're in the process of earning trust but it has not been solidified by any stretch in my opinion to this point the 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 interesting thing is is if you look at the drive chart here (laughs) this is this is funny so in the second half virginia gave up a touchdown a field goal a touchdown a field goal right and they that is not good right but then they 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 get two three and outs in the fourth quarter which they had to have and offense comes out Touchdown, touchdown, right? After Virginia punts, though, Louisville goes six plays, 63 yards, ends up with a field goal. I mean, if you think about it in the big scheme of things, if that's a touchdown drive, the game's over, right? And, of course, then the defense comes down, or excuse me, offense comes down, 12 plays, 75 yards, two minutes off the clock, touchdown. Um, now, granted, we can talk about prevent defense and how terrible it is and why we should all banish it into the sun. Um, but nonetheless, you know, they missed a field goal at the end. It's almost like if you, you know, we, we talk a lot over the years about complimentary football, right? Virginia's offense has big play potential. It's wide receiver group is deep. They can lose Dontavian Wicks on the seventh play from scrimmage and still ball out pretty well. I mean, think about that. If I told you when Dontavian Wicks went out that Brendan Armstrong was going to throw for like 450 some yards more, you probably would have thought I was high, right? But there he was, no wicks, you know, leaning on Rashawn Henry, who goes nine catches for a buck 79. Thompson with a cast and, you know, he's basically being held together by, you know, bubble gum and, and, and paper clips, right? Nine catches for a buck 32. You know, Billy Kim still catches nine balls. You know, Malachi Fields is in there for, for a few catches. Um, you know, we talked about Graham Mish. Um, you know, Johnny Woods played. I thought he was more of like a decoy in this game than he was kind of a focal point coming off of uh, of his injury and, and missing that game. But, I mean, hell, he had two catches and he scored a touchdown at, at the exact right time. Um, there's a lot to to look at from, from the Virginia side of this where you come away thinking, like, man, like, if they can do that re- on, with regularity, which they can, the defense really doesn't have to give them, you know, a whole, whole lot. Now, granted, it would be nice if they give them a little bit more than what – you know, than this, you know, maybe one more stop somewhere in there would have been nice. Right. But realistically, the whole idea of complimentary football, what does that look like when your offense is this good? Right. Like your defense kind of just needs to not even just like par. I mean, you're talking like less than that will probably get it done. Um, And, you know, there's different schools of thought here um, in terms of if you, if you have a, an offense with big play potential, can you be, you know, can you take more risk, right? Whereas maybe if you had a team that needed to control the ball, maybe you're more risk averse, right? I think for for the defense, what seems to be working is getting some some different guys doing specific things rather than trying to ask a whole bunch of different guys to do a whole bunch of different things. Dave, as you look forward, because I mean, it is kind of a halfway point, so it's kind of natural, um, maybe not necessarily just about Duke, but in, in general, how are you feeling about where things are um, both in terms of the the whole, but then also what's ahead of them. Yeah, I mean, 
considering where I thought we might be, um, I'm pretty happy. I mean, if if you looked at the way we all predicted the season, I mean, I think most of us had Virginia four and two now, but it wasn't the route they took to get there. Um, so despite how you know bad the defense has been at times, and you know despite losing a home game for you know which is something they don't do very well, you know very often, they they put themselves in a position with two you know basically the rest of their seasons at home. Um, they're they've got one ACC away game left, um, so they've got a chance to to make some noise and put themselves in the conversation you know in contention to win the uh, the coastal, which is kind of mind-boggling considering what we've seen from the defense. Um, you know, not to go back to what you were just talking about, but like, yeah, the defense, as bad as the defense it looked at times on Saturday, if you take away the first drop of each half, the defense was really, really good. Um, you know, uh, Louisville scored their, their first play of the first the first half after we had scored and then scored pretty quickly within two and a half minutes after the start of the second half. And then despite getting – like, look, the defense had some breakdowns, but all those field goals the defense held them to or allowed Virginia to make the comeback um, after the first interception field goal. And then, you know, we, we talked about two interceptions. But the, yeah, but the punt in between where they did give up a touchdown, like you know, when they didn't turn it over, that punt was like out of the end zone to the 30. I mean, it was a terrible punt. Um, and they ended up giving up a touchdown there. But, yeah, so – Possible 21 points Louisville could have scored on a short field there. They only ended up with 13, and we know how the story goes. So um, I think if you want to be in, if you want to look for silver linings in the defense, that's it. And considering what we had seen from their issues was more like we talked about it before, like a lot of confusion, especially against tempo. Like Louisville hurt him a little bit with tempo, but um, and not having Joey on the field, I was worried that was going to be an issue. But you know, I thought when they needed to, they made plays. And if they can continue, if they can build off of it, um, if the secondary of Cohen King and Clary can get some confidence and obviously got a lot more, you know, got plenty of snaps the last couple of weeks. But if they can get some confidence off of doing that without Joey there, um, the defensive line continues to get a little bit better each game. I think all of those things point you in the right direction. Um, and to me, like, I don't know if the defense needs to make a drastic improvement. If, they, if, like you were saying, if they can just get in position to like cause a little more havoc and create a turnover or two, then they don't have to, you know, then they can stop some drives in a position to put the offense, get the offense in a position to, uh, to score more points and help them out. But yeah, overall, like, like if I've got some worries, it's the fact that the defense has given up a lot of points, but, right. um, and, you know, injuries are starting to mount up a little bit. You know, you got Wicks yeah. dinged up. KT's out there with, like, so much, you know, he had <laughs> got so much going. How that guy can catch like he does. Like, to me, he's – if Brennan's – you know, Brennan's probably MV, unquestionably the MVP, but KT would probably be number two on my list right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, my just given where the schedule lines up right now, I mean, Virginia's got a very good shot of being six and two going to – BYU and then having yeah. a, a couple of weeks off um, yeah. before they get back in the ACC play. Yeah. Ferber, you, you put together some really interesting numbers um, in the Armstrong piece. And I kind of, I, since you are the king of the prop bet on the show, I kind of thought we should put you on the spot and give me sure. whether you think that they're going to do, he's going to do this or not. So um, do you have them in folks front of you? Who, Cause I don't, I do. <laughs> don't worry. I got you. I got you. Um, 
for folks who aren't aware, so Brennan now has at 554 and 487, Virginia's top two single, single game passing records with Ben Kirk in third at 455. Um, and he yeah. also has, I don't have the rest of the list, but he has like two more in the top. Like that's 10. crazy, right? Like, can I, can we just talk about how crazy it is that like Virginia has the, the, the basically the passing yardage leader in the country? Like, that's uh, yeah, I went, back, I went back and rewatched the uh, game the other day and I wrote on my, I keep like some notes for if I'm going to do a film room. And unfortunately, we couldn't do one this week because the ACC let me down. Um, but one of the things I wrote was Armstrong threw for 40, 187 yards with 40 completions. And I didn't even really think it was a big deal. Right. It, it's like, the like most... if that had happened five years ago, my head would have exploded. Exactly. Dude is out there slinging it and you're just like, yeah, that's what he does. You know, yeah. it's, kind of, it's fine. All right. So single season completions. Bryce Perkins has a record at 320. Armstrong's currently at 185. So he need to average 23 per to get there. Do you think he gets yeah. it? I think he probably okay. gets there. That one. Single season, 35-38. That's Perkins in 2019, which means Armstrong would need just 183 yards per game to break it. Do you think he gets there? Yeah. Also, it's worth noting real quick that all of these records include postseason games. Right. So he has extra games. That's 183 right. to break it against Tech. Right. Um, by the season's end, right? Good point. Yeah. So, I mean, if they get a bowl game or, you know, God forbid, even an ACC championship game, he gets more chances. All right. So – Single season passing touchdown record is Matt Schaub in 2002 with 28, which means I think Armstrong he, would need he breaks that one. Yeah. Okay. And then consecutive games with a touchdown pass is 14 Schaub in 20, uh, 2002 as well. Right now, Armstrong's at 12 going back. So he, he could break this one in Provo. Yeah. I mean, I'd be pretty surprised that one's if probably he doesn't tough. throw any yeah. touchdowns in any of these next three games. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess you could have an outlier where he has like a ton of yards and then they run the ball in from the one. Um, but I, I can't imagine he does that with no yeah. touchdowns. All right, last one. ACC record for passing yards in a single season is 45-93, which is the, Sean Watson in 2017. Now, he hit that in 15 games, to Ferber's previous point there just a second ago, um, which means that, you know, Armstrong could do this, you know, pretty, you know, if he does it, it's pretty soon. It means he currently sits at 24-43, uh, and he's averaging 420, excuse me, 410. Um, Watson... Average 306. Yeah, so, Watson just had like a really solid season, but played a lot of games. Right. Um, so at this pace, which this is the number that blows my mind, at this pace, uh, Armstrong would be at 4920, um, which is just bananas. I mean, to think of to think a guy could actually flirt with five for five thousand, like that's just nuts, you know. But anyway, do you do you is that a is that a realistic do you think it's realistic to think that Armstrong could finish the season as the ACC's all-time leader in passing yardage? Um, that one's going to be tough. That's a lot of yards. So, like, I looked, up how yards. Many he, I looked up how many he'd have to average. And you have to think, like, or at least this is how I think, um, in the next six games, he's going to have one game where he has, like, 180 yards or something. Like, I feel like there's going to be – whether that means they just don't play well or he, they run the ball more or – they're blowing somebody out or getting blown out. Like, I think there's going to be a game where he doesn't put up crazy numbers just by default. That's just how it goes. Um, and one of those games sort of sets you off the pace, but yeah, I mean, just for, just for comparison's sake in, in 16 games last year, Patrick Mahomes threw for 4,740. So that's wild. Yeah. yeah. That would mean Armstrong, if he kept up his current pace would would have more yards in 12 games than Mahomes had in 16. Um and or whatever 
and he would have like a hundred yards more or something like that. Um, yeah, but it, it is like, I know that UVA fans have um, not had the best group of quarterbacks over the last like 20 years. Perkins obviously was awesome in a different way. Um, this is what elite quarterback play looks like. Um, you know, like this is this, these are the guys that get drafted. These are the guys that, um, you know, are in contention for real awards and things like that. Um, he, he's thrown for a ton of yards. He's thrown for big plays, like down the field, lots of touchdowns. Um, obviously the interception number isn't great at six, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to deny what he's been able to do. Like the numbers are insane. And then when you watch the tape, it's like a lot of these throws are tough throws down the field, big throws in big spots. You know, they converted fourth and eight and fourth and six on that game winning touchdown drive. Um, and all this with Lavelle Davis not playing and Wicks was out for most of this game. And he also missed like half the North Carolina game. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild, but, and then obviously Woods missed a game. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely didn't see this coming. You go back and look at the prop bets, what we thought he'd have for the season. He's going to blow that away unless he gets hurt or something. So it, it's, it's hard not to be impressed by it. And, and really, if it wasn't for him, they probably have like two wins. Yeah. Uh, you know that you kind of bogarted my my next question because I, what I was going to ask. I mean, Damon, really, if yeah, if you face two better kickers, you have two wins. <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> uh, what I was going to ask Damon was, happen, you know, we we I wrote about recalibration right a couple of weeks ago, coming out of that Wake Forest loss, and you know, it's kind of hard to to bifurcate that loss away from um, the Carolina loss because they both felt like of you know the same sort of ilk, right? These last two wins have felt sort of similar, Damon. And I was going to ask you as, as the second half of the season approaches, you know, whether, you know, which version of Virginia is the real one, right? The version we saw get the crap kicked out of him in Chapel Hill um, and then really not have much of an answer on either side of the ball against the Deeks or the version we saw on the road the last two weeks. Um, and, and this kind of will lead into our conversation about the Duke game. Um, spoiler alert. I think we're all going to be pretty high on UVA to win this, but in the big picture, as you look forward, what's your expectation for how the Coastal sort of sorts out and how serious a contender do you see UVA being right now? I think I, I think UVA is right in the thick of it. I think I think they put themselves back in the thick of it by figuring out ways to win these last couple of games. And, and, and I, I think this is a huge opportunity. I, I know we all realize that, and it's an obvious statement, but these next two games at home – against two teams that have not had success here in Charlottesville. Uh, the last time either of them won here was what? 2013. Uh, the year, the David Watford year. Yeah. Two and 10. Um, yeah. The last time either of those teams. So this, this is, this is a huge opportunity to, uh, cause that gets you to six wins and that gets you to four and two in the ACC. And who knows how other things are going to shake out in the coastal, the way things have been going from one week to the next, it's impossible to predict. So, but yeah, this this is a pivotal point in the season because because this team plays so well at home, and because these are teams that going back to before the season, these were the two games that went the we kind of glossed over when we were going through week by week because we assumed these were two wins that they they will handle their business quite easily, and you'd like to believe that would be the case, especially not to get too deep into Duke, but. You'd like to believe that that would be the case this Saturday, 
And it's an opportunity to maybe get some of those defensive issues patched up a little bit more and a little bit more confidence on that side of the ball. Maybe, maybe take a little bit off Brennan. I, I, I mean, I, I like, I was talking to somebody today about how the thing I'm most excited about, about the second half of this season is just seeing all those things Ferber just talked about. I want to see how that all unfolds. I want to see, as I said to someone today, the stats he puts up, the, I, I have PlayStation envy. I couldn't do that on my PlayStation putting up these 450, 500 yard passing games. Uh, and so I want to see how that all unfolds, but maybe you're able to get out to a comfortable lead and you can lighten the load a little bit on a little bit on, on the passing game and on Brennan Armstrong. And so, yeah, I think they have, uh, they have found a way to win these two games and that's a tremendous foundation. Now I feel like for this back half of the season, uh, to continue to solidify their case in the coastal division. And, and, and again, like I said, these next two games here, uh, you can go from like, you can really solidify things. You could really put yourself in a good spot by just handling your business and you hope just some coastal weirdness, coastal chaos doesn't uh, rear its ugly head here these next two weekends. But yeah, this, this, this is a veteran team and they obviously we know how much pride they take in the way they play at home. And so, yeah, this, uh, to, to go back to your original question about which UVA team is real, I think it's somewhere in between UNC wake. And, uh, I, I think it's closer to the Miami Louisville team. Uh, I think they're going to continue to patch things up and get better defensively. And so they're going to be that much more formidable here in the second half. So we'll see. All right, let's get to talking about Duke. Mateo Durant, obviously a very skilled running back and um, a guy who I believe has gone over 100 each each game this season. Um, but I don't think as we get ready to, to pick this thing here soon that we're going to be shaking in our boots about that i i'm i'm just gonna ask the question can duke do anything to stop virginia's offense um granted you know this could be a situation where because that because that is a thing right that that i think sometimes um it impacts offensive coordinators right like when they when they understand that they have such an advantage in a matchup i, I think it's hard for them to just go be themselves i think sometimes they get a little bit um you know what's the term high on your own supply right um, there's a, there's a sociological term for, for like, if that simply by, by knowing, knowing that you are being observed, it changes your behavior. Right. And I think for offensive coordinators, that's somewhat true when they realize that they can put up some points, right. It changes. And, and then therefore the, um, you know, the, the, the propensity to put up those points is, is impacted, but at the same token, like, I mean, look, I think Virginia's offense is in, in, in such a good zone right now that it's really going to be, I think, a chance for, to Damon's point, that you could take some stuff off Brennan's plate. And I would like to see a little bit more, you know, traditional run game in this game. I think that's a that's a thing we've talked a lot about dating all the way back to the summer and such. Uh, we've still not really seen Virginia commit to it, but when your quarterback is doing what Brennan Armstrong is doing and you're able to sort of get a lot of the benefit of of that traditional run game, um, you know, Virginia ran for a total of 35 yards in this game. Um, when you can put up 522 yards of total offense and you're only, you only needed to run the, you know, run for 35 to do it. Like that's pretty, you know, that says a lot. That being said, as we look at this Duke matchup, Dave, what's the thing that stands out to you most about Duke? Is it that you're just trying to 
um, to keep on keeping on? Is it, is there something about Duke that you've seen that, that, that scares you in any way? What's, what's your general sense of, of the blue devils? And do you agree with me about, you know, the offense basically, you know, being able to put up a whole lot of points in, in yards in this game? I think so. I think it was Justin. I texted yesterday. Like yesterday I watched like all the, all the Duke offense I could. Um, and by last night I was concerned. And then I, and I was like, um, um, I haven't watched the defense today. I watched the defense. Like, yeah, I mean, the Virginia's going to be able to score points if they're smart with the ball and do what they've done all year. Um, and I think it's going to be very important because Duke's offense is kind of concerning, especially if you look at what they do compared to what Virginia's shown weakness in. Um, you know, they like to they like to go fast. They they want to run the ball at you, and then as soon as you, you know, as soon as you overload the box, they take deep shots. Now Holmberg doesn't have. Um, I think it's Holmberg, right? Um, he does, yeah, Holmberg. He he doesn't have huge numbers, but he's got good numbers. Um, I mean, against Georgia Tech, I think he had three receivers average over eighteen yards a catch. He threw 20, 22 for twenty nine. Um, so, like, I mean, he doesn't have huge numbers on the year. I think he's got six touchdowns to four interceptions. But um, you know, they what they're doing, they they do well. It's just. I'll be honest, it's a little hard to extrapolate because they haven't played the toughest schedule. Um, you know, when, you, when you're watching them play against Kansas and Northwestern and, you know, um, Charlotte and then see like, the UNC game is probably the best defense they've faced, um, and they only scored seven points. So it's a little hard to extrapolate. I, the Northwestern game had me concerned, and then Northwestern got stomped by Nebraska. Um, but, yeah, I like what they do. I think what they do now is a little – harder for our defense to stop than what they've done in the years past when the defense has had great success with them just because they don't put the ball in the air as much um, unless it's, you know, kind of set up by the run game, which is something they didn't always do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a team that you can you can sleepwalk through. Um, you know, Durant's a talented back, and he's shown the ability to, to you know, keep producing despite a high number of carries. Um but their defense, like I mean, they do some. They play a lot of three, four. They play a lot of sub packages. So it's gonna be stuff Virginia's seen before. It's just gonna be a matter of you know putting up points. And I do think what I, I think the way you, the way this game be, could become easier for Virginia is to to make Duke have to start passing out of you know when they don't want to, um, and that'll be ultimately up to the offense. Yeah. I was that's what I've been thinking too right as I was thinking about a score for this game I kept thinking it just feels like a game where UVA is going to get out to a little bit of a fast start and Duke's going to have to throw and it's going to put Virginia's defense in a spot where they can actually create some chaos now understandably with the secondary being sort of where they are you know they didn't have blunt last game um, you know maybe they you know Central Cypress you know we're not sure you know what they're um, going to look like from a personnel standpoint but realistically, you know, the offense keeps doing what it's going to do. You're going to have to be really good. It, and I, I hate I hate doing this because and I do it all the time. But, you know, what it reminds me of it. it reminds me of playing UVA basketball. Right. The idea is that, like, because of pace, you're going to have to be really efficient against that defense in terms of what you score in order to win. Right. Like, that's the whole point. Right. Virginia's offense, it, it, Brent, where Brennan is right now, like, your 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 offense is going to have to really be a playing a, a pretty high level um, in order to slow them down. Unless your defense is absolutely just going to crush them, um, you're going to have to dominate the line of scrimmage. You're going to have to create problems for them in the backfield. Um, 
you know, we're we're still not sure if you know Wix will play. You know, we we've mentioned the Keton is is obviously dealing with like a range of various nagging injuries and things, and how he continues to be so productive is kind of beyond us. Um, Ferber, is this the last time that Virginia sees David Clarkliff? I think that's very possible. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not an expert on what he's thinking, but it could be for sure. The reason I asked that, though, is because I feel like they've had a lot of success over Chase Minifield's best friend mm-hmm. over the years, and I kind of don't want to see him go. I mean, if you think about it, he's he's kind of, you know, I mean, I, you know, he, it's not like they've dominated him every time, but it certainly feels like more often than not. You know what I mean? Does that like does that does their their success against Cutcliffe, does that give you a significant level of of confidence in this game or, or is it just where Brennan is and and how good the offense is playing right now? Yeah, I mean, I don't I have confidence normally just because I don't think it's a it's not like accidental that UVA's had success against David's teams like it's not because he's not a good schematic coach. UVA is just able to like where they often aren't against Duke. They're often able to just like win all over the field with athleticism, which is just another advantage to a, a UVA staff that usually has to out scheme, you know, more talented teams or teams with more speed or whatever it may be. And they do a pretty good job with that, creating, you know, alignment issues on when they have the ball and then on defense, you know, trying to dial up pressures and things like that. Um, Obviously, the defense hasn't been as successful recently, but you get where I'm coming from. I think, you know, this year's Duke team is not a not a different team. I mean, they do have one really, really good player on offense. Um, and I think that you guys are right. Like, I think if UVA can get out to a lead, it, it kind of neutralizes the one thing that they do really well. Um, and, you know, if they want to run the ball down 14, 17 points, sure, let them. Go ahead. Um the, the area you might get into trouble, and this is kind of what concerns me a little bit, is Duke using the run to get into the passing game early um, when it's not predictable. So, like, play action looks off of, you know, UVA is going to be working on run defense all week, and it's like they can kind of hit them with some counter looks in the passing game. Um, and Holmberg, you know, he's not, like, elite or anything, but he's okay. Like, he's not the worst quarterback. And, and that kind of takes me to the overall thought on Duke in general. It's like – um, you know, coming into the season, I was pretty sure or quite sure that they'd be the worst team in the coastal. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's still true. But I think the margin between where I thought they were and where they are compared to the rest of the league is not as, it's not as big of a deficit for them as, as maybe I thought before the season started. Um, and I think that the best thing going for UVA is that Duke has just consistently given up a lot of points um, and against pretty much everybody they played. So I think that UVA should be able to score there at home. Um, you know, I think they should be feeling pretty good about themselves after winning two on the road. And and this is an opportunity, but it's not a game. You can't like look at it like, oh, we did the hard part winning these two road games. Now we can kind of coast through the next two because um, I do think I mean, I'm not going to pick UVA to lose either of these next two games, but I do think that somewhere along the road, just because of how their defense has struggled, they're going to be in a precarious spot at some point in these two games. Um, just because they're going to give up more points than maybe they should, or, um, you know, they're, they're going to be in like a tight game somewhere because of something that happens. Um, and, and I think at home, you know, they're in a good spot to kind of overcome those things, but, um, I don't think these are two layups necessarily. I think they're going to have to go out and earn them, but I, I like their chances to be able to do that. 
I, that's a good that's a good analogy. I don't think that they're layups. I do think that they are free throws, right? If you do what you're supposed to and you make your free throws, you got that kind of thing. Um, Damon, let's get to some picks because I don't think we need to beleaguer this one. Um, because I like that free throw analogy. Yeah, you like that? It, it was either really smart or really stupid. I don't want to hear. Uh, if we'll you find disagree. out on Saturday. <laughs> it, yeah, that people will be are adding. Honor, you said this honor, was going to be a free throw. Are they going to uh, honor Coach K at halftime of the game Saturday? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, you know, if UVA does. Guy. Yeah, just you know, I love I I love Duke. All right. So that was my only and one and only Duke uh, Coach K impression to ever grace this podcast with. All right. Let's see here. Dave, in the preseason, you had UVA winning this thing 42 to 20. How uh, how you feeling now? You know, is that I enough points? <laughs> uh, like, I mean, I think 42 is like I was probably going to come down a little bit, but I haven't kept a score for a while. And I got to trust myself on Duke. Like, holding, holding them to 20. Like I'll say this with the caveat that Virginia scores forty two and you know has like twenty four on the board early, so Duke starts doing stuff they they're not good at. Um, but yeah, I'll keep it the same. I, I like Virginia this weekend. I think this is a team that wants to come home. They should have some positive energy. It's going to be homecoming. It's an early start, but um, yeah, yeah, it's time for them to put it all together and kind of get us excited for you know for what can come next week. All right, Ferber, in the preseason, you had UVA winning 41 to 20. Uh, what say you now? Come on, Dave. It's homecomings. That's right, man, with an S. Come on. Yeah. God, I always forget what's going on around campus. I can't, we can't afford to lose any <laughs> wow. right now. <laughs> um, 40, 41 to 20 is what I had. Um, I'm going to go a little closer than that. But I kind of think this is a game where like UVA does win by a, a decent margin, but it might it might not be one. It might not be one where they dominate all the way through. It might be kind of close at times and then they pull away. Um, I kind of think this is a game where like UVA clearly looks like the better team throughout the game, but they're not really able to separate for a while. And then they eventually are able to kind of put Duke in some spots where they have to throw to win and, and they're just not gonna, you know, I think if, if UVA gets them in the clear passing situations, they can kind of, that's when they have been a little bit more successful. I feel like is when they can kind of, you know, when teams are trailing like Miami, I mean, Miami did have some success against them late, but I think they can kind of get some pressure that way um, when they te- no teams have to throw. So I'm going to say UVA wins 41-24 um, in a game that, you know, they handle, but maybe maybe Duke makes it close for a while. Um, if you fall behind Duke, you're in trouble because they can run the ball really well. Yeah. Damon in the preseason, you had it 37 to 20 Cavaliers on top. Um, how do you feel now? I was going to say 41, 24, but Ferber stole my score. So, you know what though? I I'm going to stick with my original score. I, uh, I like that one. Maybe they will get out to a big lead and they won't air it out quite as much and won't hit that 40, 40 point precipice. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to stick with that original score, but I, I tend to agree that unless UVA makes mistakes, uh, this this is a game that they should they should handle, particularly if they're able to get off to a fast start and get out to an early lead and maybe force Duke to do some things they don't really want to do offensively, which could open the door for some good things defensively. Uh, so yeah, I'm to keep it short and sweet. I'm going to stick with what was it, 37-20? 37-20. Uh, I'm going to. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say 37-24. I think I think Duke. Uh, uh, you were so yeah. close to sticking with it, and then you just you know last second. You yeah, just the, tw- the the twenty the twenty seems a little low to me. So upon further review, uh, <laughs> upon it, further it was, review, it was not a targeting call. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say, is this a targeting review? Because I don't know what you're gonna <laughs> say at the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna add. Uh, I'm gonna add those few. I'll go 37-24. All right, in the preseason, I had at 41-21 which I would like to just state for the record that sometimes when we do the preseason prediction podcast, I get lost a little bit. So I don't think I realized that Ferber had it at 41, 20 and Dave had it at 42, 20. Um, and then I split the difference at 41, 21. Um, listen, I do think this is the last time they see David Cutcliffe. Um, I mean, well, I mean, I'm sure he'll be an analyst or something. So maybe he'll come, you know, as on a, you know, maybe another staff or maybe he'll work for TV. But I, I do think that this is the last time he's going to be there as head coach. I think that, even if you're Duke, um, you know, there is going to be some desire to make some changes and considering that they're also also, not a young guy, there's that. Right. Um, But I I think that Virginia has had success against Duke for a while. I don't expect it to stop now. Um, You think the athletic department's just cleaning house over there. (laughs) <laughs> well, they've already they've already got the basketball job yeah. situation. Yeah, they got they got rid of some dead weight in the basketball. You know, so you know that they've got they got plenty of opportunity to to, to focus. Yeah, they already on, got on rid of that side. hillbilly. Who's next? <laughs> so, um, but no, I've got Virginia 41-21 in the preseason. I'm going to stick with it. I mean, I, I I think Virginia actually put up a lot more points than that. Um, but here's 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 where I'm going. I, I think Brennan's going to throw for 400 yards again. Um, I. Way to step I don't on know the limb if, there, dude. <laughs> I know, right? Dude's <laughs> averaging 410. I'm like, he's going to get 10, 10 under his average. But I, but I, I just think that it goes back to Ferber's point earlier. Like, how bananas would, you know, if you had been told that in the last few games, the dude was going to was gonna have two of the top three passing games in school history, you know, like that, like we all thought Brennan fit the system well, and we all thought he could have success. I don't know if anybody thought he was going to be like the national leader in passing yards level success. Right. Well, and now it's like, Oh, like 40 rushing yards. <laughs> right. It's like, Oh, ho hum. He's got, you know, 4,000, you know, bajillion yards and, you know, he could put up 400 and us, and I can predict 400 and you're like, good, good job stepping on a limb. Like there's a perfect yeah. encapsulation of how bananas this season is. For him, no, right? Think about all the years. Like, if if a quarterback hit three hundred, it was all we talked about. Like, Brennan's had three hundred, almost three hundred at the half a couple times this year. Yeah, like, yeah, dude, dude. In in the uh, what was it? He he had a he had a drive in the fourth quarter, right? He had he he was what he he threw for like a buck fifty on just two of those drives, right? They had an uh, eight play, seventy yards, and there was twelve play seventy five, right? So, I mean. Even just to think about just that, right? We would have killed for halves. Like sometimes he has in quarters. You know what I mean? Imagine, imagine if he'd gotten off to if the offense had gotten off to a better start against William and Mary. Yeah, that's true. And that's yeah, yeah. that's the other thing. He's going to have all these yards, and it's not like he padded it against like you know the dregs. You know, like he's he's really coming up on the place where he should bank some some extras. You know, I had someone ask me that doesn't follow the team the other day, like how much of his yards are garbage time, like trailing by four touchdowns. And I was like, "Uh, almost none. Like none of them are maybe in Um, wake. Yeah. But even that, it wasn't like wake was like sitting back and letting him throw. Like that was the game where he wasn't good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just that last drive against wake padded things a little bit. Yeah. But still your point, Every quarterback in the country is padding right. at some point, right? So, 
All right. Well, I think that's a. Hey, I got uh, one question for you before you. Oh, no. up. Since this is the last no. time we'll talk about Cutcliffe. Y'all said you you don't think it'll be a Duke next year. Ferber's kind of on the fence. Do you think he'll be making less money next year than he's making? I think he's going to get hired by a. Whoever wants Arch Manning is going to pay a lot of money for David Cutcliffe. Oh, that's why I said analyst because I I fully expect. I think that it'll he's be going to go somewhere. Gig. See, I think I don't think he's going to want to do that much work. I think he's I just going like, to want to go. I feel like he's going to be living in Nags Head, like chilling somewhere. Yeah, that's why I said analyst because he can basically go to work and work on the things he wants, and then not have to, you know, really, you know, he doesn't have any recruiting responsibilities or anything like that. He can just be, you know, he can be an analyst and he can talk about the offense, and then he can go home, you know. And I do I have, mean, I do, I do have one thing to add too. Um, that stupid prop bet we did at the beginning of the year. Um, Which one? You have to be more you, specific. Yeah, yeah. really good. You, you give us like 300. With, uh, with uh, the one where it was like, will UVA's basketball team hold the opponent under the UVA's points per game in a game during the during the football season or whatever? Um, that's more likely now because they're up to like 34 points something a game. Yeah. Like you're, you're telling me Bananas. they couldn't hold Navy to 32 points? They might. Heck, they might. <laughs> They might hold them to you might might get the rare double Tony in that game. Yeah, see, it didn't seem as realistic and we were like, oh, they'll end up with like 29, 30 points a game. Now it's like, eh, if it's like 35, you know, they could they could do it. Yeah, they definitely can. Um oh man, that's gonna be fun. All right, let's uh let's wrap this thing up. If you are somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind. You can look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows, and hopefully we are there. If you are so inclined, you can also give us a rating or review, which helps to get us out in front of more people, and we appreciate that. Um, everybody needs to hear Ferber uh, didn't get here for 20 minutes, and we gave him crap about it. Now, if you're somebody found the pod but hasn't given us a look at the website, you can check us out at catscorner.com. Let's see. Right now, uh, dating back, you got the take two, um, which you know the word was improbable in the headline, which is very well uh, put uh damon had a story about the the kind of the clutch moments in that game i wrote that column uh virginia picked up a commitment this week gonna corner the market on really tall receivers is apparently a thing um baseball uh, basketball tip-off happened in charlotte yesterday or was that today yesterday today one of those days um and so we've got a recap of that and then obviously the pff grades and then Ferber's deep dive into brennan's half season thus far um let's see what else i gotta do for housekeeping um i want to say thank you real quick to uh, myperfectfranchise.net for their support of the show and of the website you can visit myperfectfranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you um, my thanks to andy for his support of the everything and i want to thank everybody up there for supporting the show as always i want to thank dave ferber and damon for giving graciously your time i really appreciate all that they do so for David Spence, Justin Ferber, and Damon Dillman, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. Let's go.